Hello, my name is Samuel George London and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode, I speak to comic book writer and great guy Gabe Cheng about what comics he would take into a super volcano apocalypse. But before we get into it, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Comic Scene, where you can read comic news and become part of a community of fellow comic lovers. To find out more, be sure to visit comicscene.org. And on a side note, if you enjoy the show today, please, 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 please leave a review for us on iTunes, Spotify, or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will we know that you liked it, but believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Gabe Cheng. How's it going? Doing well. Thank you for having me on. Absolute pleasure. Um, and uh, yeah, um, you're in on the West Coast aren't you correct so it's just it's just the middle of the day um (laughs) for you how's the how's the weather it is hot uh it is a sunny and hot southern california fall nice nice and yeah well i mean it's not hot here but it's quite a mild october it's about 15 degrees celsius um obviously it's nighttime here but um yeah about 15 degrees celsius which is approximately something like oh god yeah what's the conversion trick it's like 50 it's i think i think it's about 50 oh that's nice yeah something like that which is all right you know it's for october that's pretty it's pretty mild um but uh yeah yeah. i was wishing Um, it would be colder by now but uh you know there's there's things i have to deal with being a person that loves cold weather living in southern california just it just happens (laughs) <laughs> totally man totally uh, now for for anybody that hasn't come across you just yet uh what do you do in the world of comics i'm a indie comics writer and self-publisher um i have put together a uh a book called um for molly uh it was a four chapter four issue book uh that i did entirely on kickstarter um and uh that the fourth chapter wrapped up last year. I'm still doing the um, doing the collected trade paperback in a couple of months. Um, but in but more recently, I've done uh, I wrote five short stories during the pandemic during the lockdown in Los Angeles, and um, I have been putting those out on Kickstarter, and that will also be collected in a in a collection of short stories. So um, my most recent one, which was called Crashlands, uh, just finished up on Kickstarter, had a, another successful campaign. And yeah, congratulations! Um, thank you very much. And uh, and yeah, so I'm a indie comics indie comics writer, and uh, and that's that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, and for for Crashlands, um, when's it going to be available for the public? Uh, probably in the next month or so hoping i'm hoping that the um the printer that i use is not too impacted by um paper shortage and inflation Mm. issues and and now they're they are located in florida which was just hit by the hurricane i'm hoping that that is you know everybody Mm. is safe and um you know and operations will kind of get back to normal pretty soon um and then it also depends on shipping, which is busy this time of year because of the holidays. Uh, but hoping to get those out yeah. um, in 
November, December. And then, yeah, it will be available on uh, on Amazon for digital um, after that. And uh, cool. and yeah, uh, you can check it out. Uh, check out a preview now at uh, my website, GabeChangComics.com. Perfect. And, and that leads me nicely on to where can people find you online or where else can people find you online? Yeah, on the website, GabeChangComics.com. And then I'm on Instagram and Twitter at GabeChangComics perfect look at that you got you got it all you got you got the website you got twitter you got instagram all the same handle amazing it's it's (laughs) the fun of having a unique name and being the only person with that name in the doing comic stuff (laughs) i didn't get formally.com which apparently there's like a furniture company called like formally um and Ah, it's like spelled that like with an o I i don't know but either way i was i was kind of upset about that but then uh but then I just changed the whole thing to GabeChainComics.com and formallycomic.com yeah. redirects to GabeChainComics now. Ah, oh, perfect. There you go. So it's all it's all coming to the same place. And uh, all of those links are in the phone in the show notes, folks. So um, feel free to go check out Gabe's work as we're chatting. Um, now, um, all of that aside, unfortunately, I do have a little bit of bad news for you. Yes. Um, and that is, whilst you're soaking it up in Southern California, unfortunately, Yellowstone has just erupted as a super volcano, <laughs> I'm afraid. Um, and so my my question to you is, what is your action plan survival well i guess it's my uh my punishment for living on the pacific rim on a in a a state that has a fault (laughs) line running through it um uh action plan for survival is uh minimize exposure to uh volcanic ash uh all the uh terrible uh particles that get released into the into the atmosphere when when that occurs get to high ground um although i'm not super close to it uh but i mean i imagine if it's super volcano i'm you know it's the size of the it taking up a, a large, large area, uh, find shelter, wear dust mask. And just whenever I go outside, be covered from head to toe in, in case anything falls on me. And then I'm, uh, I'm just assuming that eventually I would just die, but I, I don't know. I don't know if, <laughs> if this is like kind of an extinction level event. Like, um, mm. you know, when you sent me this in the, in the prep for the show, my immediate thought was, um, what happened in the expanse? Um, I don't want to ruin it yes. for you or for anybody else that hasn't seen. It. Have you have you read or watched The Expanse? I haven't got up to that point. No. Yeah. Um. It's it's not a super volcano, but it is that kind of cataclysmic event that where um right. you know uh, there's very quick destruction that throws up a lot of uh, deadly particles and and things into the atmosphere and kind of um you know uh, blackens the sky, similar to what the machines did in in um the matrix yeah and so i'm assuming that you know uh this is kind of an extinction level event and that humanity can't really survive without the sun because our crops won't grow and and then we'll all just die and so uh that's (laughs) that's pretty much the end game of the plan is is death (laughs) (laughs) awesome (laughs) all all roads lead to death yes um but uh in in the meantime um, where do you, where do you reckon that you're going to hunker down, and who are you going to hunker down with? Uh, definitely my girlfriend. Um, hopefully the the rest of my immediate family as well. Um, and I don't know. My my best friend has a house that's pretty high up in in the uh, in the mountains around Los Angeles, so that's probably a good place to go. 
Um, but nice. you know, uh, Los Angeles, I don't know if you and your listeners know, and really just California in general has a, has a, a, a very serious issue with, um, things catching on fire. Um, yes. so I don't, I don't think that there's a lot of fireproof places around here, but I would, I would probably try to find one. Exactly. Yeah. You need, you need copious amounts of concrete. Yeah. Basically. Don't you? <laughs> <laughs> to, to repel all that. Tile, so, tile uh, roofs and concrete. Yes, exactly. Um, in an ideal world. Um, but, uh, let's say for argument's sake that you, you make it, to your friend's house high up on a hill um and you're able to fend off other kind of bad people that are potentially trying to kind of you know ransack all of the resources in the area of course um because yeah um that's what that will happen yeah (laughs) it will happen if this happened that'd happen very quickly (laughs) i suspect um and uh yeah uh you you manage to kind of yeah all get safe in in the house um and you start talking um through the night um on your first night and the and the conversation of comic books comes up um and, you know oh gabe used to uh, write comics and and um and all that jazz um so they get going on a line of of questions they're very specific right uh, particularly for people that don't necessarily read comics it's, uh, it's, it's it's quite amazing, actually. Of course. Um, and the, the first question they ask you is, "What's the first comic you remember enjoying?" Um, the first comic that I remember enjoying is the adaptation of the 1989 Batman movie, um, the Michael Keaton movie with uh, that was written by Denny O'Neill, Dennis O'Neill, and uh, the art was by Jerry Ordway. Um, I don't actually remember a lot about it, but I, I remember it was one of the first comics I ever possessed, ever owned. Um, and I remember loving the visuals. Um, I was really, I thought that, uh, you know, as a young boy that the Michael Keaton all black Batman costume was so cool. Um, mm. and I also liked the movie a lot. So experiencing the world of Batman in that way, this was around the time of, you know, home videos and VHSs, and it was common for us to watch movies that we loved over and over again. But I, I don't think I owned the Batman movie uh, for whatever reason until a couple of years later, um, or maybe it was around this time. I honestly don't remember. Um, but it was, it was a way to experience that story over and over again. Um, in the way, like you know, I, I also watched movies over and over again growing up, um, and and I, I liked being in that world and i liked uh that character a lot and batman is still my favorite comic book character um so so yeah that's that's the first one that i loved i will say also that um because <laughs> uh, i i was also thinking back on like what was the first like comic comic that i ever read and my brother used mm-hmm. to have garfield books um and so that's probably the first comic comic I ever read. But this is like as far as, uh, you know, longer form storytelling in sequential art. Ba- this mm. this Batman one is the first one I remember really enjoying. Awesome. And then how did you come across this? How, how was it delivered to you? Um, I, to the shop or somebody gave it to you? I think it was in uh, one of the one of the bigger chain bookstores. I would say it was probably mm-hmm. in um in a Borders or a um a Barnes and Noble that I came across it, and um 
the my first exposure to Batman as a character wasn't in comics or movies or TV at all. It was the Super Nintendo Batman Returns video game, um, oh, which wow. I actually didn't get very far into because I was not good at video games then, and I'm still not good at them now. Um, but that was my first exposure exposure to the character. Uh, my first uh, media, the, the first way that I uh, experienced it, and I, I really. I uh, love this style. I love the action. I love the visuals of it. It was all just so super cool. Uh, I love the story of it. It got me intrigued in watching those uh, those initial Burton Batman movies. And uh, I think just along the way somewhere, I came across the the Batman a- adaptation of uh, first the the eighty one version. I'm sorry, the eighty nine movie, and then the um, and then Batman Returns in in a in a bookstore somewhere and just bought them and and those were yeah those were my first comic books awesome and um yeah what what age were you for this um i would have been oh i'm i'm always bad at this i don't remember what age i was and what grade and and things like that (laughs) i would have been uh living in southern california at the time so it would have been like fourth or fifth grade i think which I don't know how old people are in grades, which I should know because I used to be a high school teacher, but I'm bad with just general. (laughs) Yeah. Just simple arithmetic. I'm very bad at. Um, So that's, that's kind of the, the age range that I was at. I I was kind of a late comer to comics. I I didn't have um, a local comic book shop that I was taken to, or even that was kind of close by to where Mm -hmm. I grew up. And um, and then even after I was first exposed to those those Batman adaptations, I I didn't really get into collecting and reading uh, heavily until after college. Um, I mean, I was reading other books, but uh, but comics specifically, uh, I didn't really pick it up until after college. And um, and yeah, so I, I consider myself kind of a late bloomer to comics and and a late comer, and and which. Uh, is unfortunate because I'm not able to participate in a lot of conversations about like first experiences and reading those things as a kid, but because of yeah. the, um, the availability of comics digitally and, you know, and uh, getting it online and, and going to conventions and stuff, I've been able to make up for a lot of lost time and read a lot of really cool stuff. Mm. Yeah, me too, man. I'm, I'm, I'm a late bloomer. I'm a, even, even later bloomer um than you i didn't get didn't get into it until my early 30s so um yeah um it's uh i've I've done a lot of catching up yeah but i mean (laughs) whenever you get into it it's it's worth getting into because there's so much out there and and now especially there's there's so many explorations of different genres and you know and there's Mm -hmm. like memoirs and nonfiction and journalism all in in graphic novel form so this is like this is a great time to get into it at, yeah, at any age. Sure. Oh, 100%. It's never too late. That's for sure. Um, now, heading back to the house on the hill, um, <laughs> the next the next question that comes up is, what's the funniest comic that you've read? Um, I have a different take on this question. I would say probably the one that, you know, laugh out loud funniest. I don't know, for whatever reason, I have Garfield on the brain. I don't remember any specific ones. But I remember being young and, and being like 11 and reading those books and really laughing out loud. But I, I kind of came at this question uh, in a different way where I won't share the name of the comic um, because this is a it was so bad it was funny type thing, <laughs> um, which 
Uh, is so. it like the room, the room of comics? Is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm in a monthly comic book club where we choose a trade paperback or a graphic novel to read, and then we get together once a month to discuss it. Uh, we used to do it in person, but for the last couple of years, we've been doing it over Zoom. We're trying to get back together in person, but then there's the... Uh, but a couple of the members have moved out of Los Angeles. So it's kind of like, oh, if we meet in person, then these these people can't join us. And so we're, we're figuring it out. But we do it monthly still. We've done it monthly consistently. Um, it's really fun when we read something good and we all like it and we're having a really strong conversation about it. But it's really, really hilarious when we read something bad and either we all hate it or one person loves it and everybody else hates it. Um, because then the conversations get really, really funny. <laughs> so we read a really bad one in July of this year. Um, and it was a six issue, uh, mini series. And by the end of it, by the fifth and sixth issue, uh, I was reading it on my own at night, getting prepared for the the book club. And I was just laughing to myself at how bad it was. I was like, this is contrived. It is, um, it was dated in a weird way where it seemed like it was uh, it would took place in contemporary time. It was only written a couple of years ago and it oh, seemed wow. like it was supposed to be set in the fifties with how backwards everything was, but it was not done in a tongue in cheek way. It, it was very mm. like straight on with how bad it was with all of its cliches and all of its contrivances. So uh, we got onto the call and um, I think uh I, I think that I came in pretty hot where I was like, and in a fun way, like I, I wasn't being malicious towards, uh, you know, other, other people on the call, but I was like, this is like the, the dumbest thing that we've read in a long time. <laughs> like, um, and slowly through the call, I, I found out that, um, that that's kind of how everybody else felt and nobody liked it. Um, and of course we chose it like we, we weren't forced to read it. So, um mm. so we just like tore it apart we just like went like issue by issue and not in a in a malicious or toxic way where we're like oh you know like uh you know thor shouldn't be a woman or whatever they talked about in, in she hulk recently right. like it was yeah. like no this is like we're very objective we're very um discerning as far as the stories that we read and the art that we're like and we're like this is bad this is bad <laughs> this is mm. this is uh, this is stereotyping this is dumb like this just doesn't make any sense. This part is needlessly confusing, and it was it was a really fun conversation uh, for that reason because we just like we just totally picked it apart, talked about all the things we didn't like, talked about like the things that we had hoped would would get better or, or alternatives for how things could have been better, and um and that and that made for uh, a fun session. <laughs> so yeah, it was uh, it was funny, not funny. Yes, um, so bad it's good. <laughs> thing, but it sounded like it was a fun session, though. No, a hundred percent. Yeah, and we've and we've read other things that were bad, but I think that this one was the like we read like we read things that were not for me. Like um, we read a Green Lantern young adult graphic novel, and I was like, "Look, this is like I I don't really like this," and I, but I also understand that this is not for me. Like I don't like yeah, young adult. Exactly. It's not it's not your target. You're not the target audience. Yeah. So <laughs> there were some things that I was complaining about, and people were arguing with me, and it was you know it was all in good fun because I was like, yeah. I was like, 
I remember because there's a part in it where somebody, it's either Sinestro or another Yellow Lantern is fighting the Green Lantern. And he's like, you have nothing to fear, but fear itself. And I'm like, how, I was saying to the people in the club, I was like, how dare you make me read a book where a Yellow Lantern says you have nothing to fear, but fear itself. This is the stupidest thing (laughs) that like has nothing to do with anything that's going on. Why is he making a, a Franklin Delano Roosevelt reference? Like you just wanted to have some stupid catchphrase about fear in there and this is the most notable one and like and everybody's like all right gabe like relax get off get off your soapbox um but i was like again like this is this is perfectly fine for anybody that loves young adults it's it's not i'm not the demo for it though there you go fair play fair play excellent um and then uh changing gears uh quite quickly um what's the saddest comic that you've read um i feel like this is going to be a unpopular or controversial pick. Um, but I got really attached to Damian Wayne in the initial run of Batman incorporated. So I'm going to say Batman incorporated number eight, which was Grant Morrison and Chris Burnham. Um, and then the kind of fallout of that in Batman and Robin, which was part of the new 52 Batman and Robin number 18 by Peter Tomasi and Patrick Gleason. Um, uh, so it was the death of, it was the death of Damian Wayne and well, spoiler alert, death of Damian Wayne, but another spoiler alert, he comes back to life. Um, <laughs> uh, so even though he was a spoiled brat, even though he was, yeah. you know, at moments un- insufferable and, and kind of irritating, I-, I thought he had a really sad life being caught between two parents that are literally at war with each other. I mean, Grant Morrison talked about how he was kind of using this story as a way to talk about a child going through a really contentious divorce, but you know, it's not straightforward. Um, like we see in our normal everyday lives, it's literally a supervillain versus a superhero. And, and it's sad. It, It was, it was really sad that, that he was caught in between that and wanted the approval of both of them and just wanted them to, to get along. And the way that he dealt with that was by, you know, acting out and doing terrible things, but that was what he was, trained since birth to do he was trained to be an assassin and to be merciless so um so when you think about it that way it's no wonder that he was such a prick (laughs) Uh, (laughs) pretty much and and i remember reading and rereading his death in batman incorporated and i and i i just really thought it was so heart-wrenching and um i i I remember, and it's not in this specific issue. I think it's in the following issue. But but for those that don't know what happens, I guess, spoiler alert. Um, what happens is um, they're fighting the the villain, the Leviathan, and it's the whole Bat family, or I think it's at least um, Grayson and Drake and Damien all together. They're fighting the Leviathan. Leviathan knocks out Grayson, knocks out Nightwing. Um, so he's unconscious. And then... Um, fights Damien and and kills Damien. And then in the next issue, um, Nightwing regains consciousness and sees Damien's body and is like, what happened? And it's like this heart-wrenching moment of like, he was just here. Like he was just alive. Like what happened? Like he didn't, he had no, he he was completely blacked out for it. So he had no um, understanding of it. And he just one minute he's, he's fighting and the next minute he wakes up and, and, and Robin is dead. And I thought that that was such, um, you know, such an emotional moment. And then, 
um, the whole issue for the other one that I mentioned, Batman and Robin number 18, it's, it's a silent issue. The only part of it that is, is, uh, any type of writing is this, this letter that Damien left for Batman, um, before he went out to fight the Leviathan, but it's just a hauntingly beautiful story being told with no dialogue and, um, and all the visuals are, are so, so strong and so good. Um, and I thought it was just done particularly well. Um, you know, despite the fact that Damien was not the most popular character. That's awesome. Um, and yeah, no, it's, it's a tough, uh, it's a tough gig um, to write an unpopular character, but um, it's, uh, it's, it's, I think it's a, it's a worthwhile storyline that, cause like, as you say, kind of stuck between the rock and a hard place, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And um you know, there's just no winning for that. Um, for yeah. for Damien specifically, there's winning for Batman, and that's uh, and for um, Talia, where they defeat their adversary. But there's just no winning for Damien in that situation. Exactly. Um, really sad, <laughs> isn't it? But uh, yeah, hopefully, um, it's uh, it's helpful for somebody in a um, in a sticky relationship. Yeah. Um, themselves, uh, but. Uh, yeah um now uh changing gears once again um what's the scariest comic that you've read uh i think i'm not the best person to ask about this because i'm not much of a horror guy i I don't watch a lot of horror movies i don't read a lot of horror comics unless they're written by people that i know and i've supported them on kickstarter um so um the ones that kind of came to mind are sandman number six which is the 24 hour diner um, chapter. So that's Neil Gaiman and uh, Mike Dringen, Dringenberg. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, this issue of Sandman really left a permanent scar in my mind. Um, I, for, for many reasons, it's, it's really sick and twisted. It's, it's very claustrophobic. And at a, and at a certain point, it's also very devoid of hope where you, you get the feeling that, or you start to understand it's like, okay, these people aren't going to escape. This is like, this is not going to be a happy ending for these people. Um, and it's really, really disturbing seeing a serial killer just toying with their victims. Like, you know, a, a little kid um, playing with, uh, playing with dolls or playing with action figures, but in kind of a very um, macabre and, and twisted way. Um uh, the TV adaptation was really good, the one that just came out on on Netflix, but I, I don't think it was as disturbing as the book was to me, especially the first time reading it. Um, and yeah, that feeling of like, oh, they're not going to get out, like they're they're caught in a trap, and that's it. And that's mm-hmm. so, and that's just one of the things that that makes it so unnerving for me. That sounds horrifying. Um, Sandman is still one that eludes me. I oh, okay. I, st- I still haven't um, got around to to, to to reading it. How terrible that is! Um, I know. Um, it's okay. And, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's been mentioned so many times, <laughs> obviously on the podcast as well. Um, it, is, it is one that is, yeah. yeah it's yeah, it's, it's definitely still- worth getting into. I think because of the oh, the yeah. scope of the types of stories that are in it, and the and the different art styles and the um the 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 myriad of wonderful characters that are in it and um 
yeah, so I, I highly recommend it for that reason. I know that people just kind of have these blanket statements of like, oh, this, you know, like it's a Thrillist or a BuzzFeed article. It's like, these are the 10 comics you must read. It's like, you know, <laughs> that some of them have, have validity. But at the same time, I think something like Sandman that has this kind of um, opportunities for you can find something to enjoy in it, no matter what kind of comics you like or what, what kind of stories you like. Um, I, I think that that's most true for for the Sandman, at least in my opinion. Totally, it's uh, I'm, I'm I'm gonna ask for it for Christmas, I reckon. Um, and uh, yeah, get it get it that way. Yeah, <laughs> get somebody to buy it, buy it for me. Get it, like the deluxe version or something. Yeah, and then watch the Netflix show because uh, yes, oh yeah, yeah, book first, book, book first, first exactly. <laughs> excellent um now uh moving on to my favorite question and that is what's your favorite cover my favorite cover um this is tough because i i like a lot of stuff but i also forget it um so i was just kind of going with my knee-jerk reaction to this question when um you know when you sent me these questions and so the two that came to mind were uh batman gates of gotham number one um which i forgot to write down the the artist for that so apologies uh for that um and then uh batman endgame number eight uh you know it's hard it's hard to pick a favorite but these two were if i'm using you know just a uh kind of gauge in my own life these two were the lock screen on my phone for a really long time um right for the gates of gotham i love that it was kind of this gothic classical look with a stained glass window kind of haloing batman in the background batman is in the middle um mm-hmm. it's very dark and uh and mysterious and and kind of um yeah gothic like i said it, it looks like a cathedral um batman endgame number eight is a little bit um unexpectedly like something that uh, i was really drawn to and it's um because it's a reinterpretation of of paintings of St. George and the dragon um, with Batman as kind of this, uh, this knight and, um, and the Joker as, as a dragon. And for whatever reason, I can't really explain why, but I'm really, really drawn to depictions of St. George and the dragon. When I was a high school teacher, I had the, mm. the Raphael painting in my classroom because I just really loved the, the, um, the kind of old school chivalry of it, old, old, extremely old school chivalry of it and um, the romanticism of it and the, and the action of it, the story that it tells of, you know, a, a handsome knight driving a lance into a, into a horrible, to a horrible beast and, and, you know, saving a, saving a, um, a damsel in distress. Um, and, and that iconography really has always stuck with me. So I, I, I love that that it was for whatever reason, you know, I mean, reason because it's, it's, it's cool to think of Batman as a knight and, and uh, Joker as a dragon, but it, it was just something that was like, when it came up as part of Batman Endgame, that storyline that Greg Capullo and Scott Snyder did, I was like, Oh, cool. I like this, this speaks to me <laughs> specifically. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So I, I really <laughs> love awesome. that cover. Oh, that's great. Um, Trevor McCarthy. Did the gates the of way. Batman, uh, the gates of yeah. Gotham. Yeah. That's an yeah. excellent, excellent um, cover. Just managed to find it, find it for you. Um, oh, it, you. It is, it is an excellent cover. Like the stainless, stainless glass, um, and yeah, as you say, very gothic. Um, and uh, I assume that's like the um, the tomb of Alan Wayne. 
or something. Yes, I think so. It's been a while since I read it, but I, it might be yeah. just the uh, like a cornerstone, like um, because it's all about the bridges yeah. in Gotham that were built by the Wayne family, um, right? Or so, or keystone or cornerstone, like kind of marking that that is a, a monument to him or or a monument dedicated or built or funded by the Wayne family back then. So. Um, so yeah, that's, that was a cool addition to that as well. Having that be front and center, bottom and center. Yeah. Super cool. And like, and yeah, on the stainless glass, it's, I only just noticed actually that, yeah, you've, you've, you've got like Batwoman, yeah. you've got Robin, like on the actual stained glass itself. That's really cool. Yeah. And that reinterpretation that like, um, minimalist, you know, simplifying of their designs so that it works with the, with the stained glass and, and that being mm. contrasted with the, with regular, you know, view of Batman that's, and it's Dick Grayson, Batman. Like, um, I, I really like that. Super cool. And I'm Super also cool. going to, going to be that guy. <laughs> and I'm going to say <laughs> that, um, one of my other favorite comic, uh, comic book covers is, is for my own comic. Um, and it's it's for Molly number three, the variant cover that was done by my sister, um, Izzy Amazing. Chang um, at Izzy Chang Art on Instagram. Uh, and mm. she did three variant covers for my comic. They're all amazing, but this one was my favorite one that she did. And and this one, you know, I was speaking a moment ago about how um, those two Batman covers were my lock screen. This was my lock screen on my phone for for years and years. Um, you know, up until very recently. Uh, because it's you know it, it I, I loved looking at it and I I loved the way that she um, depicted my characters the the faces uh, their emotions on their faces their expressions and it it is um it is it so for Molly is about a a talking dog and um and her human companion on an adventure in the New Jersey forest. And it's uh, kind of a, a dramatic action adventure story. And, and what the, the, this cover uh, depicts is a moment in the story where Molly uh, is in peril. She's thrown off of a cliff. Um, and Greg, the, the human main character jumps, jumps after her. Uh, and then they fall into a, a river. Um, so, uh, so that's what's happening on the page, and it's and it's just such a really emotional uh, point in the story. And she depicted it so well on the cover that it's mm-hmm. it's always been uh, one of my favorite things, one of my favorite pieces of art that was that was created for that story. Well, that's cool, and it's so great. Obviously, that it's yeah, it's coming from your sister. Yeah, um, that's uh, that must mean a lot. Yeah, it does. I mean, my my family has always been big supporters of of all my comic book endeavors, and and Izzy has contributed um hours of of her time and and just fantastic work um in the form of stickers and and variant covers and all this other stuff and so um and this one i particularly love but i'm of course i'm grateful for all of it for sure um and uh, apart from your own comics um what comic do you repeatedly read the most uh this one is tough um but it was it was easy to answer, but unfortunately I haven't read it recently. So it, this this podcast is kind of an inspiration for me to go back and read it. And so, um, cool. but it is Kingdom Come, uh, DC's Kingdom Come, uh, Mark Wade and Alex Ross. Um, it, it's something that every time I read it, I get something new out of it. Um, there's so many cool themes in it that I love: um, forgiveness, guilt, faith, giving up, not giving up. Um, there's a lot of political messages as well. There's a lot of 
um, you know, war and war and peace kind of um, kind of themes to it as well. It's uh, it's really a, a beautiful comic, not just in the in the art, but in the story. And there's so many great tense moments in the story that I absolutely love. Um, there, yeah, it's not. There are some pretty confusing visuals. I'll probably that's you know probably on my part that I'm confused by that kind of thing. Um, but there's others that other visuals in there that are so intensely beautiful that I could, I could just stare at it for hours and, and really find things new about it and, and, and kind of feel, feel as though it's alive, which is, which is one of the things I really love mm-hmm. about it. For sure. Well, that's, that's um, Alex Ross for you. Yeah. <laughs> Everything is <laughs> like, amazing. all the, all the costumes are seem to be made of a very thin satin. <laughs> But, yeah, uh, right <laughs> but they're still they're still you know gorgeous anyway and nobody yeah, has a oh, neck it's sure. all just very thick tree trunks for necks yeah it's like every, everybody's just constantly kind of like doing trap lifts you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly like... it's back day for off, every back and off shoulder panel, off, off panel. yeah exactly all the time. <laughs> no legs no legs yeah <laughs> um never never miss leg day folks be careful that's good advice. um now <laughs> absolutely um and uh yeah moving on to another of my favorite questions and that is what's the most meaningful comic to you uh meaningful to me in this instance i i feel like uh i was kind of interpreting as as books that really made me fall in love with the characters um sure. so there's a lot of examples of that um but the two that came to mind were were green arrow quiver which was written by Kevin Smith and art by Phil Hester. And then also Sex Criminals, which is an image comic uh, ran for a while by uh, Matt Fraction, Chips Zdarsky. Um, Mm. So uh, these two books came to mind because Quiver was the book that I read that I really fell in love with the Green Arrow as a character for all of his flaws and stubbornness and and blowhardiness, which, which Smith does really, really well in quiver and captures really, really well. Um, you know, getting even partway through this book and then towards the end of the book, definitely, I really fell in love with Oliver. Like he really speaks to me as a character. He, um, you know, he makes, he has a really great journey in the story, has a really great heroic sacrifice at the end. Um, you know, and has a, a very interesting, uh, ensemble around him and the way that he interacts with those people around him is really great. Um, but but yeah, that's that's a very meaningful comic to me, and that's that's one that I really and also I'm a Kevin Smith super fan, so I um, <laughs> I, I consume all of the things that he does. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not a an apologist, but I am I would say a completist. Um, so <laughs> I, I don't sure. love everything he does, but I, I do love him very much, and he's he's an inspiration for me. Um, and then Great. for for Sex Criminals, um, where it was the same thing where over the course of the series, which was really, really long, uh, I just really fell in love with John and Susie and I fell in love with their love story. And um, it was something that I, that's another one that um, I go back and reread, not as much as kingdom come, but I I love falling into that book and, and letting it take me in the different winding directions that their story went. And um, again, like Oliver, they were both so flawed and, and so sad and so you know like any great love story you you see it from the outside and you're like oh if only this if only you worked out this problem then you could you could make it all work but you know then where does the conflict come from and where is the story but 
you know, their flaws and their, their sad moments and their, and their imperfections is what made those, those climaxes and those accomplishments in the story even more triumphant, which was, which was so much fun. And, and, um, and I, and I was always there for them. I was always rooting for them. And, and that was, that made it really a fun read and, and really meaningful to me. That's awesome, man. Um, and it's so great that you get to go back to these books um, and kind of relive those feelings. <laughs> all yeah. Over again. And I think that that's one of the great things about comics and, and books is that when you're re-experiencing it, like you at least for me, like I have to feel like I'm, I'm dialed into it. I can't, I, I like, I, I watch TV and if I watch something that I've seen before a movie or whatever, I can, I can be doing something else. I'd be folding laundry or, you know, yeah. working on something or, um, mm-hmm. or just, you know, scrolling, death scrolling through my phone, you know, like, but with, <laughs> but with reading a book or reading a comic, I can't do that. I have to be locked into what's happening. Even like totally. if, if there's, you know, loud noises going on around me. I have a hard time reading like in public because people talking and things like that. Um, mm. So I'm really locked in when I read it. So like re-experiencing it, even though I, I know it, um, you know, is it's it's a way of recapturing that feeling. And um, and yeah, so I think that that's one of the advantages, at least for me, for comics. I don't know if, if other people have that experience as well. Yeah. No, yeah, I'm, I mean, I feel very similar actually um in that yeah with a with a comic book yeah you got to be properly locked in and have the right environment really to read it um and uh yeah no um for instance i i mean on i forget who recommended it like about a month or so ago um was the highest house um and uh, i don't think i've read yeah. that one what what is have what you is, not no it's really good let me just grab it off my shelf um so it's basically it's kind of like it's a, it's a fantasy one it's idw okay um and what are the full names of the authors just so that i get it right yeah so it's by mike carey and, and peter gross um and the colorist is uh fabian uh Alquia. um and uh yeah no it, it is just fantastic and I was it's it's a nice oversized book it's like about the size of an A4 piece of paper um kind of that size I don't think it's exactly that um but it's a it's an oversized comic book um and uh it was just an awesome read but I always felt like I had to kind of yeah be in my office reading it and <laughs> feel like I could I, I I couldn't have anything else going on yeah. I had to kind of yeah be a a, a, a way in my little dungeon basically yeah i don't know if you have the same experience too where it's like you want to be able to dedicate like a lot of time to reading it too for something like that yes. where it's not like okay i can yeah. like i can read it tonight 20 minutes before i fall asleep and you know the book hits me in the face um because mm-hmm. i fell asleep exactly. holding it like um yeah, like you want to yeah. be able to dedicate an hour of an afternoon or two hours in an afternoon to really absorb exactly. it and soak it in yeah yeah properly it's exactly that um and i think that's good yeah another one of the benefits of kind of comic books because as you said like with tv and stuff like that you can have it going on in the background or or anything like that like you don't necessarily have to kind of have your full attention yeah. to it um, yeah you could be and, reading I mean, a comic kind of, book as you're watching tv and still you know yeah and still have a 50 <laughs> yeah. percent you know 
uh, effectiveness <laughs> in both. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, no, no, that's why uh, comic books are definitely special. That's for sure. Um, and uh, speaking of which, um, what's the most underrated comic? Uh, this is another tough one for me um, because uh, I really, and you know, it's kind of an indication that I should be reading comics more, but I, I really uh, don't, don't come across a lot of like, uh, diamonds in the rough and hidden gems because if something comes my way it's usually a pretty popular title already so it's hard to say something that i've read is underrated when it's like um you know like white ash by charlie stickney which is like the most successful comic on kickstarter or whatever or one of the most successful um which uh you know of course if you haven't read white ash you should read it um so i'll just take this opportunity to to give out a shout out to to my friend steve and his book monster matador so it's written by Stephen Prince and artist by Fabio Alves. Um, I don't think it's underrated per se. Uh, I think it's highly regarded by people that read it. And uh, I think that this is uh, a good opportunity to tell more people to read it. Um, uh, he mm-hmm. recently did a campaign for Kickstarter. I, I'm not sure. I haven't, I haven't checked it recently, but I, I think um, he might not make his goal for the um, it's for the collected hardcover and softcover trade paperback. Um, so I think he's going to relaunch the campaign very soon. Um, but you know, don't quote me on that. Uh, so every, everybody should check it out and support it if that's the case or check it out on, on Amazon or I, I don't know if it's on Hoopla, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, Monster Matador, really great comic. It's, um, it's like, a, a an action and adventure story of, um, a matador that that fights kaiju monsters. So it's, it's very cool and post-apocalyptic and the art is really great. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, no, that's a real shame. So I'm, I've managed to get onto his uh, onto his Kickstarter page, and there's four hours to go, um, and he's got about um, what fourteen hundred dollars to go. Yeah. So yeah, that's gonna be right on the edge. That's a real shame. Yeah, but um, he's he's one of these yeah, so guys in in the I I know him, and he's one of the guys in the kind of indie comics community in Southern California that I know a fair amount of people where it's like. You know, this is mm. this is the the gamble you take with with Kickstarter, and you know it's not a matter sure. of if you relaunch, but when you relaunch. So it'll be you know yeah, it'll exactly. be back on Kickstarter, and and he'll figure out a way to get it yeah. get it done and get it made. So, um, For you sure. know, it's unfortunate that 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 campaign didn't didn't hit, but it, it it'll be back up there pretty soon. And I encourage everybody to to yeah, check yeah. it out and to and to read it. For sure. And oh man, he's got action figures as well. <laughs> he's got an action figure. That's amazing. Yeah, that's his <laughs> that's his background, I believe, in uh ah, in toys and, cool. and action figures. Fair play. No, that's really cool. Awesome. Uh, well best of luck for him for the relaunch. Um and uh, yeah, thanks for recommending it. For sure. Um now if you if you could only take one comic into the apocalypse, which would it be? Um This is another tough one. I like this question. Um there are a lot of comics that I love to read and reread. Um, there are ones, but a lot of those uh, will inspire me to write my own stuff. Like you read something really good and you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm now inspired to, to write something like this. So I don't know if I want to do that in the apocalypse because, you know, I don't know if there's going to be much need for it <laughs> once the, the sun is blocked out and all the crops are dying. Um, so I, uh, <laughs> I think that, um, the the one that I chose is is one that uh that is is something that I can get lost in and that's and so I would mm. say that it's saga um 
Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples, which, you know, if you haven't heard about Saga, then I, I yes, know, right. I you've been living under a rock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, um, I, 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 I'd want to take a comic or I'd want to have a comic in the apocalypse that is an expansive adventure, um, pure escapism and, um, one that I can just read and get lost in and make me totally forget about everything um, with my horrible situation about, you know, the world and the species dying and a bunch of other species dying, I imagine. Um, oh, yeah. So that would be Saga. I, I haven't picked it up again since it came back. Um, mm. So I'm, I'm only caught up to, to the, uh, the, the middle point, I guess it would be. Um, although I, I, I think that, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm only caught up to where the, the long hiatus started. So I need to pick it up again. Yes. Um, yeah, for sure. But it's a book that when I read it, <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. It's a book that when I read it, I'm a hundred percent engaged, and I don't think about anything else. Mm. I'm just totally yeah. locked in. I don't mm -hmm. think about you know it, it, Brian K. Vaughn is just so advanced of a storyteller. I'm not like uh, you know nitpicking it and thinking about like oh here comes the here comes the meeting with the mentor and here yo the dark night mm. of the soul you know and like yeah, and oh I right. bet this is gonna happen. There's none of that. It's just like completely being swept in the current of the story. Um, awesome. And, and I love that, that feeling, you know, even when it's not the apocalypse. So I feel like having that escapism when mm. things are going so badly, uh, would, would be good. Definitely. Um, you'll definitely need it in the, uh, super, super volcano eruption <laughs> apocalypse, I'm afraid. Um, I then, along, I, see I, with the sun being yeah. blocked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh gosh. It's going to be a pitch black deal. Exactly. Um, but uh, along with the complete works of Saga, let's just, for the sake of it, say that, you know, this happens after Saga is finished, <laughs> so that you get the whole lot. Um, yeah. Uh, what weapon, tool or useful item would you like to take with you as well? Uh, I have a real a real one and a, and, uh, and a cop out one. The real one is a very strong dust and gas mask, uh, something yeah. that, you know, is, is going to be um it's not going to get clogged easily and and maybe gets cleaned mm -hmm. easily as well uh or you know or doesn't need to be cleaned because it's so advanced which you know i don't know if such a thing exists um but yeah that's that's definitely something to have uh when the air is um full of ash and, and nigh on unbreathable um the cop-out answer is uh is i would like to have the portal gun from rick and morty amazing <laughs> or the um or i i did a parallel universe traveling comic called the problem with parallels and uh, the device in that was called the sld the sanctus lux device and uh, i would like to have that as well because you know as fans of rick and morty know um when things go totally uh ass over tea kettle and and pear-shaped uh one of the best <laughs> ways to to fix it is to just go to a universe where that thing didn't happen um, exactly <laughs> so and take the place of uh your um parallel self exactly you know bury them in the backyard and and try not to think about it <laughs> exactly <not> exactly <laughs> that's great fantastic so um, excellent but haven't inspired all of your other guests from here on how to just to cop out of the of that final question for everything else just the the answer is always the portal gun so nobody <laughs> yes, else take that exactly. that was my idea no, no, was you? You're you're the only one to come up with the portal gun. Oh, I'm um, feeling very confident. So, 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 well done, Gabe. And uh, yeah, no, uh, Gabe Cheng, thank you so much for sharing your uh, comics with the apocalypse. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you again for having me on. This was a lot of fun.
No worries. And for the listeners, one more time, where can they find you online? GabeChangComics.com, at GabeChangComics on Instagram and Twitter. Um, my comic, uh, my campaign for my newest comic, Crashlands, just ended. Um, so that will be coming to digital very soon. But, you know, please check out a preview at GabeChangComics.com. Or there's also a preview of some some of the pages and some of the cool stuff we did on Kickstarter. So you can go to Kickstarter and search that. Um, my other comics, uh, The Problem with Parallels, Love at First Bite, um, Into the Wilderness, and For Molly. Previews of all of those are available at GabeChangComics.com. That is awesome. And then um, do you have any cons coming up at all? Not at the moment, although I will hopefully be attending Los Angeles Comic Con. Um, and then I will probably be attending. We didn't get into it, but I have a mm. uh, a podcast of my own, which uh, is on a uh, on an extended hiatus um, because it's a Futurama fan podcast. Uh, my brother oh, and I wow. yeah, cool. uh, <laughs> summarized, analyzed, and discussed every episode of Futurama um nice. we did all of them uh we thought we were done uh but then it was announced that futurama is coming back next year so ah, really? what was a uh, yeah cool. so what was uh what was an ending uh has become a extended hiatus we'll be back with that and uh, and the reason why i brought it up just now is because um i think that i'm going to be going to ontario california for that comic-con um because the voice of uh fry on futurama and the professor and dr zoidberg uh the great Billy West will be a guest there. So I'm going to try to uh, try to go there and, and not fanboy out too hard. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that those, those are my cons coming up. Nice, man. That's fantastic. Uh, well, best of luck to you, best of luck to you for, uh, for Billy West. See if you can grab him for a quick interview. Or something. I hope so. Or get him to say a catchphrase for your podcast or something. That would be wonderful. Uh, wouldn't it that'd be so cool uh, but uh, yeah thanks again gabe really appreciate it and uh, yeah you're you're welcome back anytime thank you very much thank you again for having me this is a lot of fun thanks again to gabe for being on comics for the apocalypse it was an absolute pleasure if you enjoyed the show please leave a review for us on itunes spotify or whichever podcast service you use as not new but let me know that you liked it but believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. If you'd like to check out Gabe's work or follow him on social media, those links are in the show notes along with all our own links to the various areas of the internet. Speaking of which, if you haven't already, be sure to visit Comic Scene's website at comicscene.org for comic news and other fun sequential art stuff. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the near future, I'll see you next time. Bye for now.